0: I just look at it differently i look at it like well it wasn't that horrible it was more horrible than that you know yeah, you can't yeah. you can't show and capture the fear of death that you have the fear of, of injury is worse for me you know i i would i wouldn't be fearful of death i was fearful of laying there screaming in pain or someone else laying there screaming in pain and not be able to stop that which happened quite frequently so it was i mean i know when people say it was one of the most horrifying experiences in your life i, I don't know how to describe to anyone that hasn't been trapped somewhere for 18 hours and you want to go home and they won't let you go home and they're trying to kill you actively the entire time. It was where I just gave up. I gave up on life, you know, which gave me strength to kill and and destroy things that night. And I think that was the beginning of my loss of empathy and compassion Mm. for everything on the planet Mm -hmm. for for many, many years. And honestly, until I met Jen.
1: Hey, y'all, my name is Bram McCartney, founder of the 38 Challenge and host of the 38 Challenge podcast. The 38 Challenge is a 501c3 nonprofit organization in memory of my brother, United States Marine Corps Captain Matthew Brewer, who died by suicide in 2021. Every week, I invite some of the most elite special operators, athletes, and business leaders in the world to share their unique mental health battles and how vulnerability helped pull them out of these dark times. Our vision is to create a society where vulnerability is seen as the greatest sign of strength and you can help us get there by rating and reviewing this podcast. Warning, this podcast often addresses the topic of suicide. If you are thinking of taking your own life, please call the National Suicide Helpline at 988 and press one if you are a veteran. Nothing is stronger than asking for help. Now for this week's episode. Thank God Jen Sadler is here or else we would not have any video today. So Jen, we appreciate it. Uh, happy um, to help. Yeah, so I'm just sitting here looking pretty and. We That's are, all I can do. Yeah. <laughs> we are ready to rock. So I appreciate y'all coming on. This is the first podcast, Thirty Eight Challenge podcast that we've had with three people. So okay. yeah, very very honored to have y'all on here. I know you guys are inseparable. Um, so because it's uh She's my service person. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> He used to joke and say dog, we've removed that too.
1: Animal. Now. I might have said animal. Yeah, you can um you guys, like, pre-board on flights and stuff? Or? <laughs>
2: he, he, yeah. I try. Yeah. He does. <laughs> I
0: try to.
1: Um, well, to make it easier on me, Jen, why don't you introduce Tom? Tom, why don't you introduce Jen?
2: Oh, okay. So um, Tom served 25 years in the Army. 20 of those were in a very elite unit, uh, Delta Force. And during those 20 years, his first real combat mission was Black Hawk Down, uh, the Battle of Mogadishu. And Tom was one of the lucky ones to run the Mogadishu Mile at the end. So um, that's how his combat career started. He had another 18 years in the unit after that. Um, Was responsible for part of the team of capturing Saddam Hussein and did some really crazy things in those 20 years in that unit. So um, he came home from war and, and during retirement, I think it all really hit him. And that's where he... Really started to take a dive into the darkness, and it's been about a nine-year path back.
0: I was already in the darkness. (laughs) I just dabbled in it a little more, yeah. So, yeah, Jen spent uh, many, many, many years in marketing and advertising, working for companies like Jack Daniels, TWA, um, big, big companies, and lots of big models as well, taking photos. And they asked her to shoot a realistic military training exercise, which is where we met. And she, I think she said no three or four times before they've vol- all told her that she was going to do, it. they already signed her up for it. So she showed up and had no idea about that world, but it kind of met the world that she wanted to do in the past, like a national geographic photographer. Mm-hmm. So right. it kind of met all that exciting things to do and do photography and film. So we met there. Um, she was very unimpressed with me. I think at the time <laughs> when we met as I was very unimpressed with me as well. And so we worked for three years doing that. Um, co-founded a special operations training company together and uh, one day she decided she had to leave it because guys weren't returning back. Mm. You know, we, we would be the last thing they saw before they deployed overseas to combat and we would give them everything horrible that we've seen in combat. And uh, when the guys weren't returning back, like, oh, she'd, she'd get to know him, you know, be on target for three weeks with somebody, get to know him. She's like, hey, where's Jim? Well, he didn't make it. Where's Bob? He didn't make it either. And She's like, okay, I don't I don't like this job. have I have to, I have to yeah. start a job where I help people when they get back on this side. So she got to work, said we need to start a non And I was like, all right, no, what? <laughs> we're going to do what? <laughs> I have no idea what we're doing. She said, we can do it. We can do it. So, and she got to work and did it. And here we are uh, since 2014. 17. 17. Yeah. We well, 17 was, yeah. The official. The official 17. Yes. but
1: Yeah, and you guys are an awesome power couple that's doing so much for for the veteran community and for, for warriors. And what I think is so interesting because people see this movie Black Hawk Down, right. And it's been dramatized. And, um, but for you, that was such a traumatic experience. So what, what was that experience like? And I guess like seeing it through the movie portrayed, how did that affect you as well?
0: I've watched the movie once and it one was one and a half it was a premiere yeah. yeah one and a half times it was the premiere and everybody i was you know working with was there so it was kind of a joke fest you know mm-hmm. we're all making fun of oh is that you is that you so it was easy to watch the movie with your friends and make fun of it um since those 29 years well so about 20 years since then since the movie's been made and watching it it's 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 i've been unable to finish it mm. you know sit down jen's like let's watch the movie and Sit down and start to watch. I'm like, I can do this. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I got to turn it off. It's too real. Um, the movie was made well, and you know, some people can watch a movie. I, I've heard from other people, it's one of the one of the better, you know, war scene movies. And I just look at it differently. I look at it like, well, it wasn't that horrible. It was more horrible than that. You know, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't show and capture the fear of death that you have. The fear of of injury is worse for me. You know, I, I would I wouldn't be Fearful of death, I was fearful of laying there screaming in pain or someone else laying there screaming in pain not be able to stop that, which happened quite frequently. So it was, I mean, I know when people say it was one of the most horrifying experiences in your life. I don't know how to describe it to anyone that hasn't been trapped somewhere for 18 hours and you want to go home and they won't let you go home and they're trying to kill you actively the entire time. It was where I just gave up. I gave up on life, you know, which gave me strength to kill and and destroy things that night and I think that was the beginning of my loss of empathy and compassion Mm. for everything on the planet Mm -hmm. for, for many, many years and honestly until I met June.
1: Yeah, and the reason I ask that is because so many people look at these movies, right, and they don't understand the people who actually went through it, right, and who have experienced this trauma and it's not just for entertainment, right, this is, this was your life and it was something that was so like you said traumatic and, and led to you losing empathy and, and going into this dark place so I just for the listeners like when you're watching one of those movies like, like you have to and for warriors out there who um, who have gone through these things like I think that's so important to know it's not just a movie like it's, right. it's someone's life and it's not for our, our entertainment it's to um, understand and we need to spread awareness on how it's impacting our warriors so
0: in fairness every other military movie to me is entertainment
1: yeah right i, I mean yeah, i, I yeah. walked
0: out of saving private ryan um yeah, the right. opening scene i i was I, I was like okay they captured that one you know i got teary-eyed i'm getting i'm getting there now it's one of those man they caught some they captured some horrible beach scenes of fear and the bullets flying and i had to walk out i, I got a little bit um intense with that but every other war movie to me is entertainment Mm-hmm. Right, Hey, the party, you know, the good guys win maybe, and sometimes the good guys die and throw you throws you off and makes it a really good movie, a real um, emotional movie. But yeah, that was I'm Black Hawk not entertainment me for I'm me.
2: Like, <laughs> he hates watching those movies with me. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: like, yeah, yeah. I remember one time I was with my brother and and we were watching. I forget the name of the movie. It was it was about a gang in Brazil in the slums. It's all it's all in Brazilian. I forget what it's mm-hmm. called, but he so he served in Mali, right i remember specifically and i didn't i didn't think anything of it at the time right because i was just one of those guys and being entertained by the movie and i still love war movies don't get me wrong but you have to understand the the sacrifice that that goes into those stories and the just the real life events that took place but there's a scene of of a child who's dead on the road and i've never seen you know my brother walk out or do any of these things i've never seen him really i've never seen him experience trauma and then in that moment he's like i can't watch this and he walked up and he, and he went upstairs and i finished the rest of the movie i never asked him you know what was going on because back then no idea what it meant to be vulnerable st- stayed away from hard conversations and and all those things so um yeah i just wanted to point that out and and um you know draw attention to to that moment because it's not just a, a movie for entertainment it's something that, that really did happen
0: that's so, what makes good movies when they touch somebody that had that event happen in their life. that means something even more to that person right and and if it's something that happened to a lot of people, you know some people say, "Oh, black hawk down, somebody happened to America, you know it did it, and I mean you know it, yeah, sure it did, and everyone's terrified watching it and then nine eleven staring at nine eleven we'll never forget, and the horror and the fear and everything everything subsides right mm-hmm. Everything goes away. People do forget if you didn't, it'd be kind of bad, right you know the the horrible memories that we hold on to. I think that's a protective measure Obviously. that we start to forget some things. So
1: from that moment and you said that was the beginning of this darkness in your life up until I think Jen you met Tom through um through filming right as he mm-hmm. as he introduced it what did those years look like Tom what did that that darkness look like for you?
0: Alcohol Narcissism, invincibility, um, pleasure seeking. I mean, you could fill in the blanks with all of that. It was just a uh, the warrior, the warrior spirit. You know, I'm I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna meet you in Valhalla, kind of crap. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight all day long, go to battle all day, and then grab the women at night and drink, meat, and get drunk and then do it all over again. And I, and I got to the point like I don't ever want to do that shit, man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fight all day long and get drunk on night. That sucks, man. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a story you tell yourself to keep you going. You know, re, I call it recruitment. The recruitment videos are always great. You don't mm-hmm. see the, the bodies being brought home and, and the maimed people. And, you know, they don't show that that much unless they want money for their nonprofit for that, right? You don't always see that. So that recruitment always works. Yeah. What, what was, what was the question on that one? No, no, you're good. You'll get that a lot with me. No, going, you're fine. Right. You're fine. That one tra- trailed up. <laughs> well, no, there. you answered it.
1: You answered it, I think, and you answered it on the, what it looks like on the surface. Yeah. So what does it, what did it look like as you were seeking these things of pleasure, right? Se- seeking Valhalla. What was the reason behind those actions and kind of what did those internal demons look like?
0: Wow, huh? (laughs) Inferiority, shame, lack of love for yourself, a hatred for yourself, actually, for everything you've done and everything that you continue to do in the day. You know, and then somebody tells you, oh, you're a good man, and yeah, I'm a good man. And then, you know, you go do something stupid again. And uh, and then you hate yourself again. And then you just end up in a world where all you do is wish you were dead. You know, Mm. you just wish that you could make it all end. And you wouldn't feel the way that you feel and you wouldn't hurt the people that you hurt. So you put on this act about how tough you are and how much, you know, I don't care about anything and I just love to drink, and I, you know. And it, and it was killing me back then and it's killing me now to watch my friends go through it. Mm. And I'm trying to pull them over to the other side and I'm arguing with people who don't want to be, ar- you know, aren- don't want to be arguing and don't want to hear it. And I know I was there. I didn't want to hear it. And it's one of those sad averages where it takes an operator 13 years before they'll ask for help. Mm-hmm. That's 13 years of hell and horror Before they're so low and so far down and they've probably tried to kill themselves multiple times that they finally either luck into it or happen into it or bump into somebody that says, hey, call somebody or so-and-so. And and they do, and then they start something. And then it's still hard. Mm -hmm. you know, It's still hard to keep going and, and change who you are. But it's easy to sit there and feel horrible about yourself. It's easy to put yourself down. There's a lot of people that are ready to jump on the bandwagon and put you down, too, for the actions that you've done. So it's real easy to feel that way about yourself. And it's really difficult to start feeling better you know, about yourself because you've spent 10, 15, 20 years, 25, 30 years being rewarded for being violent and aggressive and doing horrible things. And then all of a sudden that stops and you don't know how to get rewarded anymore. So I think your body seeks to do that and it can't. So it starts punishing itself. You know, I was punishing myself for everything I would do. I would never build myself up. You know, everyone's walking, oh, you're a hero, you're this and that. You're like, I'm a monster. Mm -hmm. I'm a freaking monster. And you think you'll always be that way. So you just, you enter in this dark depression of I'll never be better. I'll always ruin people's lives. And the suicidal ideation is nonstop.
1: Did you, because from the conversations I've had, there's a lot of difference between suicidal ideation and then having, I think, a plan to take your life. Did, did it ever go beyond just ideation into something <laughs> that you wanted to make permanent?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jen stopped one of them. I think, well, my first suicide attempt, she stopped it just by texting me nonstop, incessantly. Mm-hmm. She knew something was up. Mm-hmm. And I was just off in a rental car by myself thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? And, and let's get this done. And she just kept texting me. And I think I finally picked it up. Like, what's going on? Jesus, what's going on? You know, it must be a crisis. Let me help. Yeah. and uh, looked at it, I, I was late, you're late, you know, one of the last things she wrote was you're late, and I was like, I'm never late for shit, and I put my gun away, and I packed my stuff up and took off, like, I'm, I'm not, I am not can't be late, right, and it was that easy um, to have that little mission that I almost screwed up, mm-hmm. which didn't exist, and I didn't want to be late for it, and she had no idea what she had done for a couple of months, and then after that, it was... You know, there were several other times where I've had my gun in my hand, banging it off my head, you know, staring in front of her, screaming, like, "Yeah, you know, what am I doing here? And not so much of a plan as an emotional event that, you know, turned that way. Yeah. And that's happened several times of, you know, the ideation of I want to drive my car into the bridge or how can I, you know, just the anger of the moment, mm-hmm. I think is what guys consider or what I consider suicidal ideation of, man, how can I just end it now? Or here's an opportunity, just end it now, you know? He did something stupid, end it now. Um, But yeah, I think at least three times I've, at least three, (laughs) you know, enacted a plan or started the actions um, that she's either stopped or aggressively interdicted, which I can only imagine the hell it puts on her.
1: Yeah. Man, well, we started off deep and hot, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Let's get right into it. Yeah, yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah. And one of the points that you made, that I want to draw back on, is when you said that it's a lot easier to just to not get help, right? To allow yourself to continue to to feel like a monster, right? To continue to suppress emotions, keep hiding, keep hiding. Yeah, that's a lot easier to do than being vulnerable, than seeking help and saying that you need help. And Jen and I could have talked for hours when we first talked we had so many things to to discuss but one of the things that we we kept coming back to was the fact that you know to be a warrior is to be hard right is to do is to do hard shit right like you said like to 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 die and to go to Valhalla right and to and to kill and to protect and one of the most legendary special operators ever is saying that the harder path is to is to seek help and to be vulnerable. So, therefore, if, if that is what it means to be a warrior, then you should always take that, that right. moment, the harder route, you know?
0: Right. That's, that's daily. That's what I try to impress upon people when they're screaming, I don't know how to, you know, why can't I handle this? I've been trained for this. So it's the thought process. You know, guys screaming, I I, I can't have, I've been trained for this. Why can't I handle this? I'm like, stop and think about what you've been trained for. Mm. Have you been trained to manage this situation? Or have you been trained to create this situation? We were trained to create this situation, right? Shoot, move, communicate, medicate, seize property, take lives, and then move on. We weren't taught to deal with what that does to you emotionally. So I tell them, you don't need help. You just need training, you know, and if you had training in it before, you need retraining. Because if you learned how to shoot, you didn't stop shooting and stay good. You had to keep shooting to stay good at shooting. So we always practice what we want to be good at. So if you want to be good in a relationship, you should see a marriage counselor. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. You know, we always go in our tier one units. We always go out to the professionals to train us because that's all they do. That singular thing is all they do, and they're very good at that. So we go learn that singular thing. then we go over here and learn another singular thing, which makes us a whole of, of all this training. Well, there's another singular thing out there is mental health, right? I want a warrior that's mentally strong, mm-hmm. not who's hiding issues at home, not who's struggling with a drinking problem or struggling with how they feel about anything in life. So that's just another tool that makes you a hardened warrior. Mm-hmm. We didn't have in the day, so we made fun of people. Oh, this crazy used to be a term. Now there's 25 different things that could be wrong with you that are determined, you know, deemed crazy as a, as an injury or an, or an illness or a sickness. But most of this can be taken care of by. Learning new habits. You know, everything I was done was a habit. I was rewarded for being violent. I was rewarded for being aggressive. I, I was, I was given life by being dominant over top of people, mm-hmm. sneaking into their house and being very aggressive with them until it was over. And I'm like, okay, well, everything's good to go. You know, you're handcuffed or you're flex tied, and it's everything safe. I'm, I'm happy again, right? Minus I'm in somebody else's country and they want me dead, but you know, I can calm down just a little bit. You know, and that's, that's, that's actually where we got the name for our, our nonprofit. All Secure, was the first call sign on a target when everyone can let their guard down a little bit because everyone's detained and the target's been handled. You call All Secure over the radio, it's like, okay, I can take a breath now. Mm-hmm. You know, because before that, everything's very heightened. You know, you can be killed at any second. And once it's all secure, everybody can let it down a little bit and we can start going about our lives a little bit normally mm-hmm. and, and move on. So that's why we named the nonprofit that kind of to get the people that feeling, but Everything that we know in life, we've been trained to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We've ever been taught it. We witnessed it. We watched it over and over again. We did it over and over again. And right now, you know, well, not right now, but in my life when I retired, what I did over and over again was aggressiveness mm. and dominance and narcissistic behavior. So I could win everything I, I, I entered into because if I didn't, I would probably be dead. So now I'm transferring that into life at home. You know, she's so like, oh, we're going to be late for the show. And I'm like freaking out because we're, we're all going to die if we're late for the show, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's that behavior or, well, we'll get to the party when we get there. Or, you know, our friends are late. I'm like, why is everybody late? What's wrong with them? You know, like I can't believe people are late for things. And I just couldn't understand it. And everything was related to life and death for me. Mm. And you have to understand that's what you're acting out of. I, I'm, I'm acting out of fear all the time. You know, you have love and fear and I'm behaving and acting out of fear. And finally I kind of transition slowly and I'm still slowly transitioning into that love bucket, you know, where I lead with love instead of fear. And I, I, I think that, you know, things are brought up to me and I'm like, what, what do you mean? Why are you attacking me? It's like, I'm just not attacking you. I just asked you a question. I'm like, sounds like an attack. Sounds like you're questioning my authority or my knowledge. And so I have to constantly shake those things mm-hmm. being questioned, you know, when you're supposed to be dominant and on top and know everything. So people need to understand that, that, is something they have to learn and practice over and over and over again to be good at it again. Yeah, to shake all that dominant, you know, um, culture, that warrior culture. That I I need to be ready to fight. Man, I don't. If someone kicks in the restaurant, you know, door and starts coming in and shooting people, I'll figure it out then. I don't need to train <laughs> for that all the time now, right? I used to live in probability. Probably something bad's gonna happen. Now it's possibly something bad will happen. I don't need to be. Prepared for that all the time. I go to the shooting range every day of the week and maintain my warrior skills, like a lot of my friends do. I'm still going to be a warrior till the day I die. Good for you, man. But are you healthy at home? Mm-hmm. Let's talk to your spouse. You know, let's talk to your kids. Because if you continue that lifestyle, you're going to behave the same. I know you will. And I think
1: one of the things we need to do, and the reason for this podcast and and our nonprofit, and I'm excited to get into how you know we can work together between all secure and the 38 challenge, but our, so I had a good mentor, Clint Bruce, um, and our tagline was going to be challenging or changing the warrior culture. But we're not really changing the warrior culture. We're we're making more efficient warriors and, by changing what the definition of what it means to not changing the definition, but by arming them, like you said, to be with more tools to be yeah. more hardened. Add another skill. Exactly. Just adding another skill. Because imagine if you could go out and experience the things that you experienced in, in, Black Hawk, in Black Hawk Town, but then you didn't shut everything down afterwards. How much more efficient, how much more dangerous could you have been as a warrior if you didn't want to come back and, and shut everything off right? right? And, and create these, these bad habits and ruts? So I think... Th- what it means to be a warrior doesn't need to change, but through vulnerability and through talking and through seeking help early, you're becoming lighter. You're becoming more dynamic, right? You're becoming yeah. faster, and you can you can address issues before they come to the surface, which will weigh you down as a warrior.
0: It's 100%. Funny.
2: And honestly, we were asked in Congress back in 2017. Tom and I went and spoke, and we met with a bunch of senators, representatives, congressmen, What's really shocking is a lot of them sat there and, you know, a few of them grabbed my hand and, oh my gosh, we haven't had a veteran spouse up here. We haven't talked to veteran. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> mm. You know, there's 18 million veteran families and you haven't met one of us. It's wow. pretty shocking. Yeah. But one of the things I was asked was, so, you know, you guys are, are trying to bring invulnerability and, and all of these things. Is it going to weaken a warfighter? fighter? Mm. And I said, okay, let's just look at two different warfighters. You've got one special operator who is heavily drinking, maybe having multiple affairs. They're worried about getting caught. Um, You know, they're taking uppers, downers, 15 different pills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not making critical good decisions because they're not in a great place. Or you've got a warfighter over here on the other side who is making good decisions. They're not self-medicating with uh, pills and booze. And they're taking care of themselves, and they're making proper decisions. Like, which one do you want on the battlefield? And everyone picks a second one. Yeah. So it's not making a weaker warfighter. It's Like you said, it's making a stronger warfighter to, just- to make good decisions and to be in a good place. And, and they
0: medicating. Many. We didn't start off. Everyone I know at, at, at work didn't start off drinking every day. We were right. health freaks. Yeah, yeah. Working out all the time, you know, four or five times a day working out. Mm-hmm. and in between you're shooting and doing cqb you know things like that in and the turn- beginning yeah in the beginning and then after years and years of combat and, and training like combat and, and away from home you just start drinking and drinking. it picks up and it picks up more and more and more and then you it's part of your life now you mm-hmm. know and then you go you you throw out that false bravado of you know there's no vulnerability we're warriors, we're never vulnerable. I'm like, oh, so living in a foreign country in a house that might get mortared every night is not being vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Going out the front gate in a vehicle, looking for IEDs on the highway of death, which is the deadliest road in the world, and mm-hmm. we drive down it every night six times. Not being vulnerable? Do you think you can get a medal by not being vulnerable? They just hand those out because you just, you just did it? So it's, it's just how they think. And that whole no-fail mission bullshit. No-fail missions, no-fail, you know, Man, we fail a thousand times on a mission. That's why we have SOPs, you know. Mm-hmm. You have your planning process. Your primary plan fails. You go to your alternate. You go to your contingency. Then you go to your emergency plan. And when all of those have failed on a, on one mission, you, just ex- you operate under your SOPs that you've practiced every day. Mm. Because those are muscle memory for you. And that's what gets you through and wins every time. But you fail along every mission until you win. You just don't quit until you win. So it's that bravado that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm never vulnerable. I would never be vulnerable. Pfft, okay, well, then you'll never get anywhere or do anything, will you? Mm-hmm. You live in bubble wrap in your house and do nothing. You have to be vulnerable to get anything done.
1: How would y'all define vulnerability?
0: For me, uh, I would define it as being open and honest about how something makes you feel.
2: Maybe regardless of how...
0: Regardless of how, how you're treated for it, you know? I mean, honestly, opening up and sharing a story that's um, negative in nature, what you think is negative in nature about yourself, which is all we've done now to be... Because that's what it is to be a leader. Be the first on the dance floor. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be lonely for a bit. People even point at you and laugh at you, right? But then they all start creeping out there. And they're yeah. saying, you know, break dancing on the dance floor, man. Everybody's having a good time on mm-hmm. it because you started it. You were the funny people. And then all of a sudden you're the leaders, you know, it takes that. And it takes that with vulnerability, sharing our stories, gets other people to open up their stories because they don't feel alone or that it removes the feeling that they will be judged for it. So we like to remove those feelings of, oh, judgment, or, or let me remove your excuse, or let me share with you, I've done 10,000 horrible things that you think you've done one of those and you're worried about sharing it with me. Don't, don't worry about it. I've probably done it or heard about it mm-hmm. and there's not going to be any judgment. But being able to open that up and share it with people, regardless of how it's going to negatively impact you is, is vulnerable for sure.
1: Yeah. And like you said, that's what makes a strong leader being able to share your mistakes and what we've seen from the podcast. And I, I always think of the scene from, uh, from, from Billy Madison.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, when he, uh, when he pisses himself or when the kid pisses himself and then he goes and he's and everyone's laughing at him at first, right? And then another person starts doing it. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Like everyone's being, I see the same thing with vulnerability, right? Yeah. I see the same thing with vulnerability because especially like the more vulnerable I am and the more I share my stories and like, hey, I deal with anxiety, d- depression, suicidal yeah. ideation, like I'm not sure if I'll ever go away, right? Like I, f- I, I deal with these things of, of guilt and doubt, right? And people are like, man, you sharing that is so strong and but when you don't share that you're like it's i'm so weak right how could i be doing these things but when right. when you finally share it people are like man that's what that's what strength looked like so we just people know that it's out there they just need to do the hard thing and and share it as well
0: it's hard to come out of that shell as a warrior right what mm-hmm. you've been told is a warrior right i'm a warrior you know rub dirt on it hard and never cry and especially how you were raised depending on your parents or your father you know what they told you and then you're. It's, it's reinforced and basic, reinforced in all the selections you go through, reinforced at your, at your unit, your team level. you got to be hard. you got to be hard. And plus you're competing all the time. So you don't want to appear weak in front of those who want your job. It's like professional sports, you know. You're always fighting for a position on the team. Mm. Every day you go to work and you swipe in your card and it turns green. You're like, oh, it's another good day. Mm. You know, and that's just not a day. That's you go to lunch and you swipe and it turns green. You come back from lunch, you swipe to get in, it turns green. You're like, every day you're waiting on it to go red and the door doesn't open. And that's when they got rid of you because they decided you weren't, you know, you weren't contributing enough. So it's the competition tears you up and it kills you. You know, Mm -hmm. the young people, as I got older and the younger kid, I'm like, "Ah," you know, I used to kick ass. And now I'm like, they're passing me and I'm getting tired on these long 12 mile runs. I'm like, I don't know, man, if I can do this. And I'm putting myself down because I'm finishing a 12 mile run behind a new guy. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm still doing a 12 mile run. But I'm like 30 seconds behind the new guy who's younger by yeah, like 20 years, to I, else, and yeah. it kills you. Mm. It kills you all along the way. So,
1: obviously, I don't think you've always been this vulnerable. I <laughs> know. <laughs> and I think that I think that Jen probably had a big part in you being vulnerable. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but absolutely, Jen, when you first met Tom, and you first met all these guys, what did you see in kind of what did that look like for you to help transform this man into someone who is is so passionate about sharing a story and and helping warriors be vulnerable?
2: I, you know, I had all the media version of military or special operations. I didn't have any experience um, working alongside or knowing anyone in that community. So I only had the TV version and um, it was very, very different than what I think civilians are sold, which is this, you know, invincibility, this almost robotic sense of, like, these guys don't feel anything. Of course, I didn't really believe that. But it's just this sense of, like, hyper-macho, you know, world. And, of course, I did see a lot of that. But what I also saw was a kid from Kentucky who signed up because his older brother was a Green Beret and, you know, who – had hopes and dreams, just like everyone else, or you know, a guy on a SEAL team who's struggling with his wife and kids. I mean, these are fathers and, and sons and brothers and daughters, and and they're people, and I think we can make them almost like characters and, and try and put them in a box, and and I think that's when Tom said he teased me. He's like, "There's no crying." in contracts like stop crying what are you doing <laughs> i'm like nobody could see it's dark but um honestly the amount of difficulty that is required the amount of sacrifice that's required um the training is the only aspect i ever saw i never deployed with these teams in the training alone people would be shocked how incredibly difficult and dangerous mm-hmm. the very first rmt i was on a seal was killed in um, training, and, and she's
0: like, "People die in training." I go, "Oh, all the time." She's like, oh, "It's training." I go, "I know, right?" It's, <laughs> it's shocking did I just that people sign die. Up for, yeah. You
2: know, I, and even just that, like, I have two children, and what am I doing, getting in these Blackhawks? And am I, am I risking? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, these helicopters go down all the time, and and I can't imagine putting myself in that situation a thousand different times and not have it affect me. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I got to work really after a few years. Um, like Tom said, I just, I couldn't stand seeing these men not come home. And the ones that were coming home, frankly, I remember there was a SEAL team we worked with really early on three years later, I'm seeing the same team guys come through and these guys, 26, 27, they're coming back at 30, looking 45, Mm -hmm. just so incredibly tired, um, heartbroken and they don't want to say heartbroken but I mean I remember one time I was going out and some of the moms at school were kind of teasing me like oh you're going out with the seals and joking about you know
0: mm. apps and things <laughs> yeah. like that you know and
2: <laughs> and it kind of made me it kind of pissed me off frankly because I'm like these men are getting ready to sacrifice possibly their life and it is not all about abs and cuteness like this is extremely serious business mm. and a lot of sacrifice that's going in and it's not at all like it is in the movies and mm-hmm. honestly to look at some of their faces and, and talk to Tom afterwards he's like I could see it on you I'm like the weight and the heaviness that is on each of those faces um, was why I started All Secure I just we had to have a place a landing place for mm-hmm. them to come home and I just didn't see that. I just saw a constant struggle. I would ask, like, hey, if, where do you guys need help? Where do you need support? What could we do for you? And nine times out of ten, it was, I don't know how to be a good father. I don't know how to be a good husband. Mm. The anger that comes home with me, I don't know how to stop it. Um, it wasn't about, you know, losing Bob overseas. And, of course, that impacts you. And, of course, that's a heavy weight. But what I was seeing was just the weight of not being able to come home okay. Mm. That's
0: what I saw. I think the differences that people try to understand are, is the fear of death. I didn't have the fear of death. I, I didn't care. I wanted it, actually. It was, she's getting a safety brief in a helicopter, getting ready to fly over a deserted island in the Bahamas and stay there for a week. And I don't like He's like, like listen, you're going to watch <laughs> this, pull this, if we do this, you know, and blah, blah, blah. she's like, what did he say? We're going to take off. And I go, don't worry about it. We flip upside down and land in the water, we're dead. Mm-hmm. She's like, what? I go, <laughs> and there's like we're fluid dead. squirting out of They do, they the do the helicopter. that to make you feel good, but we're gonna die. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the buckles and all that bullshit. You'll be dead. You know? It's, it's, <laughs> and she's yeah. like, what? And I shoved her on a plane before. It's a hydraulic fluid. I don't worry about it. Don't slip in it. You know, it's it leaks all the time. And why is there tape on it? There's tape on everything. It holds it together. And you know, those 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 briefings you get on an airplane, you know, there's a, there's their oxygen mask, a fall down, there's doors up here, and I always looked at the person sitting next to me, and I go, don't worry, there'll be a big hole in the side of the plane. You can go <laughs> out that one if you want, you know? <laughs> and they're, like, looking at me like, what? I'm such like, a, like I didn't such a have that feeling I, <laughs> I would love to fly with you. That's I could awesome. joke about death, you know, the wings are bouncing, and i am like, I've been stuck to the ceiling of an airplane before, you know, as we crashed in on the way down. So you'll be okay, or you'll be dead don't be the fool in the middle screaming all the way and then you're okay because then you're that fool that screamed all the way. <laughs> so I just have fun with it but just meeting her, she's like, we're gonna going to die, there. you could die, you could die doing anything, you could, you know, die walking your dog. So I just didn't have it. Most most guys I know don't have that fear of death. They, they don't. It's it's well been ingrained out of them. To the point of like, to the really point of I'll reckless. live forever probably. Reckless, you know? reckless behavior Crazy happens. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. And that's, I think for civilians, it's important to under, understand, right? People aren't, like you said, it's not necessarily the trauma from losing Bob, which is is trauma, and of course. It, of course it plays an impact. But it's the it's the fear of having to, you know, come home to a family and you yes. have no idea how to deal with it, or to the fear of of transition, right? That's why we lose so many warriors to transition because it it's a whole new life that they're not used to, and you're not. They're not afraid of dying, right? They're afraid of transitioning into something that they're, they don't know. Right. Yeah. I yeah.
0: Mean, the unknown.
2: I think that was a turning point. Even with Tom and I, he, he would tell me all the time when he met me, he's like, I'd die for you. Mm. And I'm like, you would die for anyone. <laughs> you know, like that's your job. And I said, what I really want from you is for you to live for me. Mm. And that was very difficult. I mean, even when I asked him to live for me, he looked at me like, I, I don't know how to do that. Mm. I know how to die for you. I don't know how to live for you.
0: So when did that conversation happen?
2: Maybe a year in. Yeah,
0: how many times did that happen? <laughs> I mean, it was a long time of convincing <laughs> yeah, to try to get true. me to do anything. It was, you know, Two first years. I had to admit something's wrong with me. First I had to admit I needed help, you know. There was an issue and then oh, you can go do this to get help and it was like sure, we'll go to th- counseling, we'll go to therapy and then I wouldn't go and I wouldn't go and it was it was till she's like heading out the door. Okay, I'll go as a last resort therapy, right? Just just to keep you here, I'll go. It was I was fearful of someone telling me I was broken. I think
1: mm. I
0: didn't want to hear that I was broken, so I just wouldn't go. You know, I didn't want to validate or or certify the fact that I needed something. You know, when I did, I needed a I needed to find empathy and compassion again. I needed to find love for myself again. I guess a lot of people don't have that. I, I had zero of it. So, therefore, I couldn't love anything, anybody else or anything else, you know, and I didn't realize that. I just thought I could, I was here to help everything other people, everything. I was here to help her, but I was worth zero,
2: you know? Everything was out the window for you then. I mean, no, no self-forgiveness, no real processing of, you know, like I'd ask him, I, we sat down and I said, are you willing to talk about Somalia? I don't want to ask questions or be insensitive. And and he was like nah it doesn't bother me we're in a (laughs) sidewalk cafe in st louis and and i think after maybe the second question i asked tears just started flowing down his face i'm like oh my god and this is like our third Mm. date or something you know i'm like i that was a screw up you know and and then but instead of trying to i don't know in the uncomfortableness say it's okay or or, you know try to encourage him i just for some reason was like let it go Mm. just keep going
0: that was weird i was so pissed (laughs)
2: <laughs> so and let so it go, what do you probably mean? like an hour. <laughs>
0: and I love,
1: the, and I, love and I love, what you just said, showing vulnerability and then also because it's a two-way street, right? Like you have to ask someone how, like for you to be able to experience that uncomfortable and know that this conversation is going to be uncomfortable but still willing to do it, that is vulnerability. And then for you willing to, to cry and to pour out your heart into something that, you know, you weren't used to doing, that's, there's two sides of the coin, right? Both equally as important um, and both equally as as uncomfortable yeah Um, holding
2: space for someone is really difficult especially as like an empath and a fixer I want to be like it's okay don't worry about it
0: fixing it you know fixing it
2: and so even I I would encourage people who want to fix it to be uncomfortable in that silence or in that sitting and allowing someone to keep going yeah. in that difficult space because it's really important to keep going
0: and know? it's it's hard to screw something uh, like shove that up it back down if right. you're just listening to somebody it's not like it you're standing on the difficult. street yelling jump right you're not yelling <laughs> jump you're just having a conversation people are like i'm gonna screw it up and they're gonna go off and do something people do what they do they're gonna go do what they do yep just be there listen share your pain mm-hmm. you know you don't have to look at somebody and go what's wrong with you you know tell me what's wrong with you it's like you know, I've gone through life with a lot of issues and, and then share your stuff that inevitably opens up someone else to oh me, too. And, oh, you you, you go through that, too. Wow. Every What'd you time. do to help yourself? And, and, that's, then boom.
1: and that's the whole point of this podcast is I hope people listen to this and um, are like, wow, you know, these people are going through that as well. They're so willing and open to share their story. Like, maybe I'll go share it. And then once you take that first step, then as we've talked about, the first step is what allows for growth. You're not going to be vulnerable and then be like, well, shit all, better. Yeah, all yeah, better all better man. like that's a, but what it and and as you've said it's a it's a lifetime it's a journey right with it's and it's everyday improving and you're gonna fall back and you're gonna fall down but you gotta get back up and start trying new things and have have more conversations um
0: yeah everybody's heart is
1: hard and yeah. you've
2: gotta pick your heart either it's hard to live in the misery you're in which was very hard for him but it was also really hard for him to ask for help it was really hard for him to put in the work. It was really hard when he would have a fallback or a bad month or bad three months. And it was hard for him to start again. But every single time he did something really hard, he gained confidence in this new world and his new self. And it got those lapses became shorter and quicker and and he just started living on the better side of things more and more and more. But mm. it was hard.
0: Forgiveness has to come quick. You have to forgive yourself fast. Mm a lot of guys have never forgiven themselves so that's step 1 forgive yourself or whatever it is and then continually forgive yourself cuz you're not going to just stop screwing up and you have to forgive yourself and move on you know or you're going to sit and well in it again mm-hmm. and you're going to get depressed again and you're going to put yourself down again and it's so easy to be hard on ourselves we're the hardest on ourselves mm-hmm. so you have to immediately forgive and which is hard cuz you it's so easy to start beating yourself up i did it again she has every right to hate me again. And I'm, a, I'm a piece of shit, you know, and then there it goes. Mm-hmm. There it goes. You'll believe yourself, you know. Uh, who was it recently said, you know, the head, the voice in your head is still yours. Yeah. Just which one is it? Mm. Is it pissed off you? Is it young you? Is it scared you? Is it happy you? Which, you know, you, you got to understand who you're talking to when you're listening to your own voice.
1: Yeah. And that's a, man, I, mean, I I'd struggle with that every day, right?
0: Yeah. Sometimes
1: I'll, um, Because for me, right, it's living in a, I'm pursuing an infinite mission, right? I'm not, we're not ever going to eliminate suicide, right? Right. But that's, that's the goal. So every day it's, um, but you have those thoughts in your head. Am I doing enough? Am I helping enough people? Did you put in enough effort today, right? Are you, are you working hard to save? You know, it's like those type of things, but you have to be, like you said, you have to uh, forgive yourself, allow, allow yourself to, to love and to, to heal and to rest and yeah. all these things are, are so important. Um, yeah, I think, so we were having, I think the importance of, as you mentioned, like not stopping when you ask someone how they're doing, right? So I have gotten the habit now of asking people that I'm close with, right? Cause vulnerability is like, you don't go up to, <laughs> like, I just asked Max or just met Max, Probably not gonna, you know, dive really deep into <laughs> yes. um into his life, but. You know, we could, but one of the questions that I do is I say, How are you doing mentally? I had the word mentally at the end of it because it takes someone back, right? Right. And you have to really think, Because, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, right. exactly. How, get, every time. You get that good. program yeah, response, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm good. good. Like, good. How are you doing? Good. Fine. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You move on. That's just a greeting now. How are you doing mentally? People are like, Shit. Well, what's, wrong yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. With you? Yeah. Wait, I got to yeah. think about this one. one. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, uh, Do I answer honestly? Yeah. I'm doing good. Oh, and then it's like, Okay, that's awesome. You're doing good. Like, like what are you doing that's making your mental health in this good state or you know then that might lead to more questions and then you can start to ask more questions so i think the important love that. the importance of like you said allowing to to keep digging deeper even though you know it's so uncomfortable and it's like oh for both people it's like what are we doing right now you know what i'm saying like <laughs> it's weird. so weird it's so it's so weird and so uncomfortable but it leads to always afterwards it's you all both parties always feel this sense of relief right and and ready in confidence as we talked about um and and ready to take on what's next i think so for um the month of september i wrote down 38 names that i was gonna that i was gonna call haven't called all of them um just goes to show how hard it is to have hard conversations it is there's a couple ones that immediately came to mind um of like man i don't want to talk to this guy at all (laughs) you know like it's like we all have yes. them, right? It comes, pops up on your phone, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not available. Yeah, exactly. But so I, I called them, and I had conversations that I had been avoiding for years. And afterwards, you're just so much, you're so much more confident. Like anything, doing anything That's uncomfortable great. in life, right? You're you're ready, and you're you're craving that next uncomfortable conversation. It's like, well, well, what can I do now, right? Who can yeah. I who can I help now? Um, so with that, what is y'all's mission? At All secure, because we've I think we've covered how we got there yeah. right through Tom's personal stories through you seeing this and through wanting to help. So, what is the All Secure Foundation about, and how are y'all helping warriors and their families?
2: He always looks at me. Yeah, well, we Every started time. off as a resource <laughs>
0: library that Jen just basically yeah. compiled everything that she had done to help me and us mm-hmm. to make it easier for other people to find. Like, let's because it was so why darn look hard. At, why, I mean, why dig it, it up hard. and use it yeah. for yourself, right? So mm-hmm. Let's just do a website, put it out there, and people can find it. You know, And that's how we started. Did will take money to share information. And then she kept going, and I'll let her describe that. But, she, I mean, from zero idea of what to do. I had no idea how to build a Well, it like, really she, came
2: from the community yeah. of, of just spending, really that last year I was on RMTs, I, I remember telling Tom, I'm like, I, I'm not supposed to be a photographer or filmmaker anymore. I, I know that. I feel that in every bit of my spirit he's like okay what are you what are you gonna do now you know and I said I don't know but you know it's something and it's something to do with helping um, these guys come home but uh, you know that really started with the resources but it really came from asking for that last year of how where where what is lacking where do you need help you know what what area is it and you know I thought Initially, it would be kind of in the health and wellness category because I was seeing two to three hours of sleep a night. You know, I was seeing really poor eating habits. I mean, it was funny because I guess the mindset I had was like, oh, these guys are really built. They're super athletes. You know, they must eat really well and sleep really well. And
0: <laughs> anything and you can get like, out of a gas station.
2: Wow. They're eating out of gas stations. They're, you know, not sleeping. They're having five or six rippets a day. Like, mm okay you know maybe this is like the health and wellness bucket Mm. and they're like no we have trainers for that we have you know resources for that and it just came down to again can you help me be better at home Mm. and so after about a year of resourcing we started talking to spouses and you know because i'm not i wasn't a military spouse i'm a veteran spouse i didn't have a whole lot of close friends that were military spouses but once i started talking to them man the amount of sacrifice the amount of dedication the amount of service they're providing and literally with zero resources there's mm-hmm. a 1000000 nonprofits for veterans and there aren't very many if any for this for the families mm-hmm. so that's where we got really passionate as we turn our focus on to we're going to help the special operation family unit because mm-hmm. really we sent one guy off a good friend of ours he went down to warrior's heart we helped fund the entire thing And his marriage completely and utterly collapsed because he went away 14 weeks, got sober, got clean, got better, came back with a whole new mission in life. And and it was really powerful and beautiful to see his family who had been there for him for 20 years through the affairs, through the drugs, through the uh, abuse, didn't have any resource for healing. And so it destroyed the entire family, even though he healed. And so we knew, hey, we have got to help. Mm -hmm we've got to bring the spouse into this process or it's it's not gonna work for either. And so that's where we really became focused on our mission of, of course, we help single war fighters that come forward and say, hey, I need that training. I need that retraining. How do I survive better at home? How do I thrive? Um, we have licensed clinical social workers, four or five of them now, every day, all day, that's what they're doing. They're, they're helping folks find their path um, but we also do retreats. So we have special operation couples that come with us for four days and they're going to work on raw spots. They're going to work on reconnecting and really kind of building that foundation of the relationship back after all the effects of war, and our ret- constant
0: deployments. Uh, our retreats are so beautiful. We have one, our last one of the year this weekend and it's it's Thursday to Sunday at Big Cedar Lodge and it's it's one of those Thursday, you know, get to know each other, just, hey, have a drink and talk and have some snacks and. Here's what we're gonna to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Everybody's like terrified. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the faces! Special operators don't like to get help, so they fight all the way there. We know now. We put out emails and texts. Hey, we know it's we difficult know to travel. To we know you We've had people. I'm out of here. She's not doing this exercise right. I'm going to the airport. I'm like, oh, please don't divorce now. <laughs> yeah. Every At least retreat, three or four. fighting every retreat. Somebody wants to leave every retreat. There's just, and I'm terrified. It's not working. It's not working. And then day two when day two starts and people have cracked out of their shells and they've been taught some tools and now they've used them on date night and they're back on day two. It happens every time mm. everyone opens up. The spouses understand it. The warriors realize that, man, they got to get to work and that it's everyone in the room's the same and they connect and it, it, it just, it takes off. Mm. And I love it. And we were going to cancel them this year because they're expensive and they're, and they're time consuming and hard for us, you know, for 10 couples versus, well, we could help 300, right? Uh, as soon as you dilute the process, right, you start diluting the results. And, and so we talked to ourselves after the last retreat. It went <laughs> so well again. I go, we can't. We, I go, we can't. We just have to go find the money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can't just turn these off. We They're just so have to keep doing what them. we do just, and do this too. So It's
2: truly a gift, I feel like, to be in the room.
0: Every Bullshit. time for a year we sit there and I learn from it, she learns from it. Not we every we learn each day. time we grow. Our therapist grows, you know, the, the couples grow and they come right back. They want to come back. It's like, no, no, we got to get more people going. But we, we hold on to them for, well, as long as they need it after that as well. It's not like, hey, you want it done, you're out of here. We continue to help them until they're good to go on their own. And then they may check back in in a year or six months. Hey, I just need a little bit of a, you know, booster or something. Sure. we resources. So, yep.
2: like, we don't provide every modality of, of healing. We're really kind of the therapy wing of it. So we partner with a ton of nonprofits. Um, someone might go off and do a psychedelic, but then they're going to need reintegration and therapy after. So they'll come to us for a year after mm. that. Or someone might go get a Stella ganglion block shot. We do work with them before and after, but we'll have another nonprofit that's funding the shot or funding the psychedelic. So mm. we, um, we partner with a ton of organizations. So sometimes people will come to us saying, "Hey, I, you know I heard about you know, you've got some great resources for TBI. Um, We don't do TBI, but we're not going to let anyone go once they come to us for that training or retraining.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk TBI. Um, Jen, we just we had a long conversation as as well. Um, But yeah, so I I founded the Thirty Eight Challenge, but I also run the military programs for Concussion Legacy Foundation. So I run a project or a, a program called Project Enlist, and what we're trying to do is. Is to spread awareness on how brain injuries are impacting our warriors, because as we've talked about in this conversation, to deal with losing Bob, or to come home and to, or to transition out right into into be placed into this new environment that you're not used to and you're afraid of, you have to do all that with a brain that's injured, and not a lot of people understand that their brain is injured, right? They think that they're dealing with these things. Um, that they think that they're it's them that they're crazy right or they're, right. that they're weak or yeah, yeah. They're, they're weak and or and it, it's just them it's or, exactly but there are psychological cognitive behavioral changes to your mind that literally are the reason behind a lot of these actions it's the reason behind a lot of suicide after one concussion one mtbi your chances of suicide doubles after one so imagine the amount of tbi in the military right injury on injury on injury to the brain that you just can't see. Um, so Tom, what's your, what's been your experience with, with TBI?
0: Exactly that the, the lack of understanding of what's wrong with me. Why do I think the things I think? Why do I behave the way I behave? Um, guys feel broken. The, the one of the best things that had happened to us was we had a brain scan going up to Chicago. Um, before we had a stellar shot, like I wanted to scan your brain before and after the shot. Mm. Yeah, sure, whatever. You know, you run through these tests that piss you off. right you take it. I mean, oh, you're doing them wrong. You're doing. Them, you're trying so hard to do it right, and you get so pissed off. And I'm like, oh, I get it. You're pissing me off. So you're gonna read my brain when I'm angry. <laughs> and then you go in and do an MRI. You know, and then you get the shot. And then you and then you get another shot. And then you come back and do the scans again. And the the difference was amazing. And some doctor from Hollywood called. Had never met me. I don't even know. if if he if he knew I was in the military or not, he just knew there was a brain scan, um, you know, two days apart. And they were so different. Mm. And and he described
1: it. Yeah, a stupid cellate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. And it was it was a two day process. And your brain scan, shot, shot, brain scan, you know, in two days. He said, I've never seen this much difference in a brain. Mm. He said, do you do this? Do you do that? Do you, you know, do you have outbursts? Do you say things that you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this to you, but I'm still saying it to you, you know? And like, God, oh, why can't I stop myself? And like, that's it. Do you, do you go from like zero to rage? Yep. That's it. Do you have this? Do you have that? And I'm like, Sleep my God, Shades this guy is describing me yeah. perfectly by looking at the colors of my brain on his scan. Cause we can fix this, 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 this with stuff. And I go, I'm not taking drugs doc. No more. Cause no, no, it's all natural. Amazon stuff, you know, here, buy it off Amazon. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. and then you get a hyperbaric chamber, and you do that, and uh, then we'll do another scan, and we'll see how you're, how you're doing. We no longer call it the Invisible Wounds of War because you can see it, you can heal it, you know, you can take care of it, minimize it, and fix a lot of things. So And also— It gives up a lot of hope for people who were previously terrified to be diagnosed or be diagnosed and have it and wonder, what do I do now? To you
2: understand know. it's an injury. It's not a matter of willpower or weakness or anything else that gets assigned to some of these behaviors mm-hmm. it's it's an injury and so i think for tom i mean i watched him his eyes tear up as this doctor saying the things he's saying because for tom for so long he's like why can't i control this why can't i control that
0: it's like i've never been like this before she she thinks i've been this way my whole life you mm-hmm. know so you start thinking that she thinks i'm just mean mm-hmm. always mean to people and say the weirdest shit <laughs> like no i promise i don't do that yeah. you know but you're doing it, and uh, it's hard when you do or things that you don't want to do.
2: The frustration of I forget things, you know, and then the embarrassment or the shame that gets attached to it from the from TBI. And, you know, I'm supposed to be this super sharp warfighter, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't remember things. And like you said, the suicidal ideation, that was something that was never explained to us ever was that due to his concussions and concussed brain, mm-hmm. That you know he's at least twice as likely to have suicidal ideation, and to understand that's part of the injury as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody ever told him that or explained that to him.
1: Yeah, and if you look at all the issues within the veteran community, right, a lot of them come down to behaviors and decisions. And with so what's not well known in the veteran community, which we're our goal is to make it well known and to continue to get um, brains so we can further the research, so we can create the same community that's in the that's in the NFL and in football, CT is running rampant within our our veterans, and it's because it's caused by repetitive head impacts or repetitive traumatic brain injuries. But what is defined as a TBI, like in the military, a lot of people think TBI like you have to be, um, you know, in blackhawk down, right? Or, or, right. Or this, like that's not like there's subconcussive blasts are still TBI, right? If you, like you said, in training, right, people die in training, breaching, right, and even shooting assault rifles and having this low-level blast exposure, all these can create injuries to the brain, and it's not, sometimes you can't see it, and sometimes it's not a diagnosed TBI, but it doesn't mean you're not you are not impacted by the effects of it. So, side effects include impulsivity, right, so having impulse, making impulse decisions. A lot, I've... I don't think my brother's suicide was premeditated. I think it was an impulse decision because of the demons that those voices in his head, right? Because it wasn't functioning or firing how it should have been, right? And um, things like aggression, right? Things, um, you know, one of the things that's always described is like, is that change in behavior and mood that can go from zero to 100 really quick. Um, And I saw all these things in my brother and I, but it wasn't made aware to me and it wasn't made aware to him. And on his computer before he died, one of the last things he researched was Junior Seau who died from CTE and what happened to Junior Seau's family. So what we have to do is we have to spread awareness that there is hope, right? Because my brother knew that he was dealing with brain injuries and he was terrified by what his life would become. And so our message is that there are things out there that can help you, right? You can take control of, of your life, do things like meditation, go seek help, have therapy. You can start to slowly but surely repair the brain and then there's we need to work together to be able to provide and further research on these treatments like stellate, like hyperbaric, like you know, uh, plant medicine, yep. psychedelics, all these things. Right, we need to continue to spread awareness and research and funding for them so we can help veterans now. 100%.
0: Yeah, remove that fear and the stigma of, like, psychedelics, the new drugs, the new technologies that, those are illegal. Don't do, you know, okay, alcohol's legal. Marijuana's not, you know. I don't, I don't know if marijuana's legal or not anymore. Some I can't place. tell anymore, yeah, someplace yeah. Yeah. It, Federally, it's okay now. If, I don't know, but who, who knows? But a lot of those things are helping, you know, and we have to be on the, the tip of the spear for those treatments and things like that.
1: Right, yeah. and if, it if, doesn't matter what it is, like, if eating that plant saves your life, yeah. then, like, then do it. Eat the plant. There should be no stigma.
0: Like, My friends might judge yes. me if I eat that plant, but you'll be alive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I don't want to be judged. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, yes. your, yeah,
1: yeah. Your friends are going <laughs> to be a lot more sad if you're dead than if you eat that plant. 100%. Um, and I think we talked about this. Mm-hmm. So one of the things on the podcast that we always do when we talk about TBI is we ask um, the the guests to pledge their brain for for Project Enlist. Um, I think we might've talked yeah. about that. I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if we were, are you, are you, are you comfortable with doing that?
0: Yeah, I am. If anybody wants my brain, <laughs> I, I think, always have. I think you'd be a prime candidate. Anything <laughs> that would help other people, I'm all about it. I'm already an organ donor anyway, but yeah, I would definitely take that pledge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, especially in the special opera, special operations community, we're seeing all these legends of, of war, right? And there's, in um, there's movies about them and, and like yourself and books and all these things. And for them to pledge and to spread, to spread awareness, right. Is I think so important. So I thank you for, for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It'll help a lot of people. Um, before we end this conversation, which has been awesome. Um, you guys have a movie coming out a documentary. Is that what we were?
2: Yeah. We I hope a so. Of projects. Yeah. One actually about brain health. Okay. Um, that'll probably be spring. That's not our project. Um, but we are working on a screenplay for All Secure as well.
1: And then the podcast. When does that launch?
2: October eighteenth.
1: Okay. So and what is that'll
2: be every Tuesday. Okay. We're talking to. It's not the typical cool guy podcast. There's a lot of really great podcasts that share military stories, which are wonderful. Um, but ours really focuses on um, healing. So we talk to operators who struggled like Tom and some of the tactics they've used and, and tools to get to the other side of it. We talk to field experts um, that can give advice. And, and,
0: and so much more. And so much more. It's like right <laughs> off of our
2: trailer. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be this typical same old, uh, tell me your war story again, tell me your war story again. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. okay yeah. You wake it. up at 4.30, like, yeah. okay. Oh, got you. Yeah, we, okay, we <laughs> yeah. all do. It's right, yeah, still yeah. something
1: cool. It's yeah. so we funny. Cool people,
2: people honestly will ask Tom, you know like, don't do sleep? you still get up at 5 <laughs> and work out? He's like, I did that for 25 years. I yeah. sleep in a little bit. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay.
0: I sleep in now,
2: <laughs> but yeah, so that's just um all secure on that
1: podcast, so. awesome, so if you could have for someone out there who was who's at the point where they've had you know they're in that dark spot, right? they're at rock bottom, they're banging their pistol on their head, right, and thinking that they want it all to end. what would y'all's advice to them be?
0: you're loved? And don't ever forget that, you know, you're not alone and you're loved. Man, you know, I, so many messages I could say to people, but the main one is honestly that you're loved and cared for, right? I, you know, don't think about your kids. Sometimes people are, I'm thinking about my kids. It's the story they're telling themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Just think about yourself. Think about yourself as a human being. You're loved. You're worthy to be alive. And this is not a, this is not a death sentence, you know? No. How you feel is not a death sentence.
2: You're meant to be here. You're absolutely meant to be here. I think I read a statistic, Not I'll totally screw it up, but it was something like it's one in a million trillion chances that you're going to be born as a human mm. in this universe, right. and there's no way you're an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're meant to be here. You have a mission, and your mission will continue. You just need to refocus it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, just another one with that is to stop living in the rearview mirror. It's so small. You know, look out the windshield for the future it's Mm. brighter you keep staring in the rearview mirror you're gonna crash your car anyway and it's so much smaller and it's no one cares really no one cares about what you did no one cares about your past they care about who you are and how you feel Mm. you know and 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 i think those people should too i i didn't care about how i felt at the time so i want those people to understand that they should care about how they feel as well And, and they should feel good it's okay to feel okay
2: yeah it's okay not to feel okay. Just don't stay stuck in it. Yeah, right. Absolutely.
1: The important part is to feel,
0: like you said. Yeah. To- yeah. Give yourself permission to feel okay. You don't have to punish yourself the rest of your life for something someone else did or something you blame yourself for. That uh, Honestly, mm-hmm. it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. It's easier said than done. I, I don't know how to reach somebody who doesn't want to listen.
1: Right.
0: You know, it, when someone's turned off, we don't help people. We don't reach out and call people. Okay, like, hey, you need some help today? hmm Because it won't work. They have to want the help. Mm-hmm like you call my friend they're they're really in trouble I go have your friend call me um, text me email me smoke signals I don't all I need is something and I'll reach out but they have to do the first thing
1: I get that a lot too and I say that's not my responsibility to get them to talk right yep. listen have them listen to an episode of our podcast yep. or have them understand the mission yep. and then uh, ha- let them under- understand that them reaching out to me is strong and once they can show that strength yes then I'll drop everything and at the s- drop of a hat I will stop 100%. everything I do to get them the help that they need because they were willing to show yep. that level of strength and vulnerability.
0: Just a glimmer 100%. of just just a glimmer of I want help. And yep. people, people are people are People are there for, for you. Training. Yeah. Last question for y'all.
1: We'll get out of here. What does we ask this to all of our guests. What does the thirty eight challenge mean to y'all?
0: Hmm. I think to me. Like everything else, it just it means not giving up, not stopping. There's always hope yeah. out there, right? Any kind of challenge, any kind of uh, mission or goal can can be anything in life. And, and I, I think it just – I hate to throw out the greatest fair to try, but honestly, never never quitting something, right? It means you're the winner. Never quitting something. Take those challenges and stay healthy. Stay focused on yourself and care.
2: Yeah, you kind of took mine. I would just say, I mean I- – people really put down small steps or baby steps. But you know, like Tom always says, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a good approach to take with anything in life. It's just understand that even those small steps, it might feel really small um, or look small to someone else. Like you said, that strength um, for reaching out and and making that first call, that that looks like a little step of an email or text or phone call, but it's huge. Mm And I think the most important thing is just to start. Yeah, just to start.
1: And that's what we see ourselves as, as you mentioned. There's over forty-five thousand veteran nonprofit organizations. We don't necessarily need more programs, you right. Know? right? But we need people to reach out and to call and to understand that that is strong because they're out there for you. Um, you just got to do the hard work and, and show up. Thirty-eight challenges about showing up and taking showing the up. first step. Yeah. You know. So, man, what an awesome conversation. Check out All Secure Foundation. Be on the lookout for the podcast that is coming out, and um, I can't wait to do some amazing work with you all. Yeah, we're excited about that. Thank you for having us. Of course.